Should old video games be forgot and never brought to mind? Heck no. Raise a glass of kindness to the games of 2021. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we talk about some cool video games that came out this past year. Our list isn't just Metroid Dread over and over, but maybe it should be? Hmm. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. Hello. It's us. We're back. Hey. We're back after our long break, sleeping in our little hibernation <laughs> caves. We are back for our final episode of 2021. <laughs> Whenever you say final episode like that, it sounds like you're just going to stop after final episode. Well, it's like it's our final episode, sort of like Final Fantasy, where we'll just keep <laughs> making them infinitely <laughs> and then yeah, remaking yeah. our old episodes. Right, it's that kind of final, final with the asterisk. After mm-hmm. a, Triple click remake. Exactly. It's going to change everything. New ending. Everything's different. So <laughs> if if you feel intense fear in your heart when you hear Jason say the words final episode because you just can't get enough triple click, I have a solution for you, which is that you could go to MaximumFun.org slash join and you could become a member and then you would get a bonus episode of Triple Click every single month in a bonus wow. feed. Including this one, and it, it might even come out before 2022, so maybe this isn't even the final episode, if you count Whoa. bonus episodes anyway. I would count Wait, that. What do you it's mean like this a secret one? special You mean bonus. this next one? Yeah, the this, next this one. upcoming one. It might come out before New Year's. Mm. Got it. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. And it this upcoming not. one is... <laughs> no promises. <laughs> It's all up to Kirk's Kirk's schedule. And this upcoming episode that will come out at some point, who Mm. knows when, will be an episode of One More Things, several more things from each of us. We're we're going to talk about uh, pieces of media that aren't video games that we liked in 2021. And this episode... We're just going to talk about video games, but but we're not there yet. MaximumFun.org slash join. Yeah. Go check that website out. Become a member. Anyway, well, we just weren't quite there yet. I just wanted mm-hmm, to right. say the URL again because Inches that away. feels helpful to people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of like yep. how sometimes we forget to say the video game title when we've been talking about it for like 10 minutes and yes. then we just move on. Yeah. A common you don't want to do that. And we're not going to do that. This week, either we're just nope. gonna say no, video we're game gonna, titles. Constantly. We have a lot of titles to find. That's true. We do. I know. We really, really do, because this is the episode where we're gonna talk about our games of the year, hey. 2021. Games, of the year. games that came out this year that we thought were cool. Yes, That's what this is. So we each prepared a list. I I thought it was ten games. You guys both apparently put <laughs> well, down twelve okay, games. Okay, here. here's what happened. Kirk <laughs> had a list of twelve games, and Kirk was the first person to get to the Google document today, and he put in twelve video games. And I looked at his list, which was not numbered, and I thought to myself, that looks a little long. It just looks a little bit longer than my list. Am I imagining <laughs> things? And I counted it. And it was just a little bit longer than my list by exactly two games. And then I added two games to my list because I thought it was only fair. But apparently Jason didn't <laughs> okay, do that. Well, because... I didn't get the memo. So my <laughs> list is only 10. But uh, let's get so, on with it. I think people want to hear hear our lists. Yeah. In no particular order, right? Kirk, yeah. why don't you go first? My games are in order of 
game title name, which is how I always list them on Twitter because I think that it's aesthetically pleasing because it makes oh. a little ramp or like one mm-hmm. side of an obelisk. So like how many how many characters? They're not in order of alphabetical order, which is what I assumed Correct. you meant at first. No, no, in the actual the actual length of the name. So then when you list them, it creates a sort of a ski slope going mm-hmm. down. And uh, it also it also rewards brevity because you get to be first if you have the shortest name. And more video games mm. should have short names, I feel. Mm-hmm. So up first we have Returnal, Housemark's PS5 exclusive game. Good video game. It was a mm-hmm. good video game. It uh, resulted in me getting a fun nickname on the Triple Click Discord, Kirk Seven Deaths Hamilton, which became mm-hmm. a little bit of a joke because I only died seven times before beating Act 3. And I gather that's still kind of strange. And so I think that that sort of reflects my um, my distinct relationship to this game that I did think was hard and I found really maddening and exciting and engrossing and really just played super hard for two weeks and haven't really gone back to. I know they added save states to it, which I think will um, make a lot of people happy if they play it now, because mm-hmm. I know that was a very common complaint. And it was it was one I shared, even though I played the game so in such a focused way that that wasn't a really big deal uh, to me anyways. But I did lose save progress because the game updated. Like, I had all that stuff happen. It was just sort of a, an event when Returnal came out because some, in some ways because of its weird idiosyncrasies and those those things that made it so not player-friendly. And and that also just sort of sticks out to me. It was, a, it was an interesting experience when it came out. But yeah, no, I just really liked this game. It was also like the first real PS5 exclusive of the year, and that's of the that year, got yeah. a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of sad I didn't beat it, but it was really hard in a way that I <laughs> am not good at. I died more than seven times. Yeah, I didn't beat it either. Yeah, but very fun, very fun game. Good choice. Oh yeah, really cool. cool yeah, good game. Design. Great sound design, great acting, great art. Really, just a really cool game. I hope more people will play it. I could see this one coming to PC. I saw people saying, I hope they release this on PC. I feel mm-hmm. like PC folks would enjoy that one, too. Okay, so that's the first one, Returnal. Up second, we have Hitman 3, another game from early in the year. Of course, this was going to be on my list. I almost put this on there. I, yeah. I thought about you. This is a cool, cool video game, and it I enjoyed is. it a it lot. Is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool one. It um it was fun to talk to both of you about it. It was fun that this was the one that you both really played just cuz I think it's the best of the 3 and it also of course includes the entirety of Hitman's 1 and 2 or at least these new Hitman's 1 and 2. So it's got that entire trilogy Hitman. and all the DLC Hitman. <laughs> I believe it's Hitman. 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 There we go. Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> At some point we're gonna we're gonna run that one into the ground. Maybe we're already there. Hitsman nope. one and two and three, and then all the DLC. There's so much here. I didn't take the time with this that I really wanted to. I started replaying the whole trilogy, which is fun to do. But um but I still spent a lot of time with this, doing some of the escalations. And I you know, I if I were gonna pick just one game to play from my list, I think it would probably be this one, just because it's so endlessly replayable and entertaining. And yeah, I love Hitman. I'm very interested in what IO does next. They're working on, I believe, a James Bond game. Yeah, seems like a natural fit for them, especially given how Bondy um, Hitman Hitman has become. And also, I just watched. Um, speaking of Bond, I just watched No Time to Die. Great movie, by the way. Really liked it. Haven't loved all the Daniel Craig uh, James Bond movies, but I like this one. And it's super funny because the MacGuffin, like the supervillains 
like you know weapon in in that film is the exact same weapon as a weapon that appeared in Hitman 2 in the Sapienza level it's the same concept and it can't be that neither of those I don't think was the first time that this ever came up but watching it I was like man this is just fully Hitman 2 so I thought that was funny and just thought I'd mention it yeah I don't know um any any more thoughts on Hitman 3 from the two of you no cool game yeah I I really enjoyed how much of a sandbox it is. I, If people want to go back and listen, I really didn't know how to play Hitman 3 when I was playing it, and I had to just figure it out as I went because I just right, didn't understand right. how to read the directions or tutorial in the game. <laughs> I think I like accidentally skipped the tutorial or something, and then I was truly thrown in the deep end and kind of stumbled my way through the first encounter, which meant it took me way longer, but was also significantly more satisfying as a result because I truly felt as though... I was in that situation having to figure out like how to disguise myself, who to talk to, what to do. And that, I don't know, I don't play that many simulation style games. I know it's one of your favorite kinds of games, Kirk. And it was really cool to immerse myself in that and be like, oh, this is a genre I'm not super familiar with, but I now understand why people get so into it and why it can be so hilarious because just goofy shit will happen. And it, I don't even just mean the dialogue. Like, there's very clever dialogue in there. But, yeah, just goofy stuff happens by accident, mm-hmm. which is delightful in that game. So it almost made the cut for me. When I started a new game, I played through this, this sort of tutorial level, a series really of tutorial levels that I, and then I was playing through and I was imagining you, I was like, it's, this really onboards you, these two levels at the beginning on this kind of staged boat and at this military base. And if you don't have those, I, I do think that was probably a, a very interesting way to start the game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's good. Um, next is Deathloop, a game that I really loved and that I know Jason you also have on your list. I'll just say that yes. the, the reason I love this game so much is is inextricably tied to the fact that I played it um, with all of the waypoints turned off. And I've talked to so many people about this at this point, and I'm convinced that I do. Th- I think there was some sort of an error in the way that they presented the waypoints. It could have been like you turn them on optionally. It gives you a it gives you a more clear prompt at the beginning. There's just something there because. So many people who played with Waypoints On had a very different experience than me, and I can really see that. Where with Waypoints Off, it was just such a satisfying, cool game, and it was a, it was just a great balance of like problem solving and figuring stuff out versus you know knowing being told where to go by my journal and just sort of working it out. Instead of just if I'd had a waypoint everywhere I needed to go, it really just wouldn't have had that emergent quality that I was looking for when I went in uh, playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I accidentally, well, so Deathloop is also on my list. We'll get to that. But um, I accidentally played with waypoints on, um, but won't hold that against the game. But yes, it's a very different, much less satisfying experience, especially the end part, because the end part, the whole idea is that you're supposed to figure out how to how to create this Mm -hmm. this perfect loop. And the end part, if you have waypoints on, it just guides you through and just holds your hand the entire time. And it just really, really does not does not sink in quite as much but i still enjoyed the game so much um that it made my list regardless yeah there's um two more thoughts on that we have one related to that is that um i don't think i've actually talked about this on the show there's a great example of that where you have to go and like find these power stations in each of the major areas and if you're playing with waypoints off you you see pictures of all of them and you have to kind of screen grab the the thing you're looking at and like go find them in the map based on these photos that are laid out and the whole thing is really laid out for you but if you don't if you have waypoints turned on it just 
you just go into the levels and they just tell you where they are. Yep. It's a great, that's like a really, you know, clear example of just how different it is. And then the other thing is just that I've been going back to it a bit. They've been updating it and I've been trying to get um, achievements in this game, which is really, really fun. The achievements are great. They're really hard, but they're very enjoyable. And they've they've updated it. It runs better on PC. The enemy AI is smarter now, which is nice. So there have been some good updates. Hmm. All right. Next is Inscription. Of course, this was going to be on here. Um, I really loved this game. It's a really, really cool game. Um, it, I, I keep finding like there's a new, there are several sections in this game, and each time you have to kind of get your bearings and figure out what's going on, and you play a new variation of this card game that you're playing. And I've found that each time that happens, I'm sort of disappointed because I had been getting into the card game the time before. And yep. then I learn the new version of the card game, and then I get into that. And I think I just enjoy this card game. I think it's a pretty fun, well-designed card game. And I think that it takes um, it takes a certain kind of ambition to design a game like that and then build a game around it that tears it apart in so many ways and like goes outside of it and breaks the fourth wall and messes with the rules and screws with the balance. And it's never just like, here's this pure game, even though I, I gather that the developer modded it. So now you can just play that first mode as like an endless roguelite. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think this game is so clever and, and so good. Yeah. I put it on my list too. This is one of the games I played over our little break. Cause I wanted to make myself play it, even though I'm really not a card game person. Yeah. And uh, it's not that I found it difficult. It's more just that this kind of game isn't my thing. So I had to really get myself into the zone of, okay, Maddie, you're going to learn a bunch <laughs> of mechanics. There's a whole yeah. lot of different kinds of cards and you're going to store them in your head. And you're going to watch some YouTube tutorials with some tips about like min-maxing different boons because there's sort of like a boon system. I know it's not called boons i'm using the hades term but it's like you get different <laughs> yeah. ways to level up your powers overall and then that benefits you and i i really liked all the other parts of the game besides the fact that it's a card game i liked <laughs> the music i liked the visuals i liked the fact that it keeps changing and zooming out in its worlds and i just thought it was really cool i think it does a lot of stuff that I want other games to do yeah. and that is more often than not why I end up picking something as one of my games of the year is just I like this idea even if I didn't love every piece of this execution I just want this to exist and I really dig that it exists and that's definitely how I feel about Inscription. It's a cool thing and I'm glad it exists. Kirk, when you said before that like every time I change it up it threw you off and was disconcerting for you, I it totally lost me at Act 2. I was like, yeah. I don't want to play this anymore. After really enjoying my time with Act 1, I just stopped mm -hmm. at Act 2. Um, it's a hard game to really... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's a game that doesn't want you to enjoy it when it does that <laughs> Well, sort of thing. so Act 2 is kind of what I'm talking about is... is um. Like that's where I th I thought that I had it had lost me. I really lost a lot of momentum there. But then actually, once I got my head around how to build a deck in Act Two, it, it got fun, and then I was into it again. And then Act Three changes things again, and I was like, well, part oh, of what's God, fun like about <laughs> Act One is that you don't have to think about building a deck. That's part of what's enjoyable about it is that you don't have to like spend time in a menu like I guess moving cards. Around. You don't really in Act Two either. Like I built one deck that beat every single fight for me like yeah there's still ways to cheese your way through yeah, every battle sure. take it from me someone who doesn't really like card games that much and <laughs> cheesed her way through a lot of inscription because i just kind of wanted to see more of the story and Fair. 
cheesing is fine. I think it's fine. If you yeah, want to no, see the rest I, of the story, yes. it's okay. You can just be in it to see the grander design, which is which is very neat. Um, so yeah, that's a cool game. Next game is also a cool game that I'm glad exists and want to see more games like, and that's Wildermyth. Yeah, same. Which is another one that I haven't finished. Do you finish Wildermyth? I've played more of it. <laughs> you can. Uh, so yeah. Wildermyth is interesting. There's like a bunch of different campaigns within it that you can sure. play. And they all use the same structure. Like you'll notice different dialogue choices that are extremely similar or like setups that are similar across each of the campaigns. And they each have an ending. But it's so procedurally generated that... I, I mean, I'm already describing it poorly. It's basically mm-hmm. like a procedurally generated text adventure, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it's like a book where the chapters are... It, I mean, because it's not... When I say it's procedurally generated or when I describe it that way, I always worry that people are going to think that it's like Mad Libs, like it's like a machine AI trying to generate dialogue, which isn't how the game feels at all. Because in the moment playing it, it's like a really well-written lovely game full of these really human moments that were written by people but then it's also arranged in a way that is in some way like uh, uh, procedural so it's a it's a really interesting mix I just think I would imagine that a lot of narrative designers at bigger companies and bigger publishers are playing that game and looking at what they're doing and I would also imagine that a lot of people have just been having these kinds of conversations like how would a game like this work? You know, this is Ken Levine's narrative Legos. This is the idea of like, can we build a modular narrative that works? And I think that Wildermyth does work. I think it's really cool. I, I definitely plan to keep playing it. It'd be a great game to play on Steam Link, like on a handheld. I have it on my laptop and uh, I do like playing it that way. But it's, uh, yeah, that's just, a, it's a really uh, lovely game. And another one where I'm just, it, it's kind of shocking almost to play a game that's messing with some of the ideas uh, that this one's messing with. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, next one is not a revolutionary game, but it's a, a good one, and that's Death's Door. This was just a game that I really liked, um, like a sort of Zelda somewhat Souls-inspired. Is it Souls-inspired? It's more of like a Metroid Zelda what sort of a say. thing. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of headlines saying it's Souls-inspired, yeah. but is that true? Well, Death's Door sounds like a zone in a Souls game, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you walk into this cavern and it's like, Death's Door. Yeah. It's kind of got the like, you're opening doors, there's a hub world. Structurally, it has something in common, I suppose, with Souls, but it's not, I mean, it's hard, but it's not that, it's not really that hard. Like, it has some challenging fights, but I didn't, and you don't lose progress when you die. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say this is a Souls-like. It's it's more like a Zelda-like Um in the way that we've, as we've discussed, Zelda and Metroid actually share a lot of game design DNA. Like it has that Metroid feeling where you get the grappling hook and now you can go here and go there. I just think it's really cool. I think it's a cool looking game. It's really striking how aesthetically interesting it is, given that it was really primarily or entirely made by a two person team. I like the music. I like the way it moves. I like the way it looks. It's this funny little diorama, kind of like stuffed animal. I like the way you move, Kirk. Thanks. Um, anyways, uh, what was I saying? Outcast. They were a good group. Uh, Death Store. It's a good game. <laughs> um, so the next game I liked is Metroid Dread. I'll just save this one, Maddie. You're going to talk about it too, so we can just talk about it then. 
I mean, okay. you deserve to really take point on Metroid Dread, but um, I loved Metroid Dread. Oh yeah, it's not it's not on my list. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I forgot you were so disappointed. I hated by it. it. Just um, kidding. Yeah, no, loved it. Uh, obviously, we did a whole episode about it, and I think it was really good. Next up, Psychonauts Two, a game that was so much better than I was even expecting, and I was hoping it would be good, but my God, it's good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still working through it, but I'm quite a bit farther along, and I just think it's so great. Um, it really, it does, I mean, it's it's really a sequel to the first game in so many ways, and that feels really unusual, especially for a beloved, very old game that was always kind of niche, you know, just in terms of gameplay and story and kind of everything. And it was cool to see it get nominated for so many awards. I think, it, did it get shut out at the Game Awards? Am I right about that? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think it actually yep. won anything. It got nominated, yeah, a bunch of times. It's pretty weak, because it should have won <laughs> a lot of things. I imagine it'll win some, like, prestigious awards, like GDC yeah. awards. So. Yeah, it deserves to. And I am very excited, as I'm sure both of you are, to watch the documentary about the making of oh, this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Whenever that comes I have out. to follow up with them. I was supposed yeah. to, like, I think they had told me they were thinking about December, and I guess it's too late now, so hopefully well, I mean, soon. It's true. Know. They were probably thinking about December. Yeah, <laughs> now they're, they're thinking about We all were, in January. a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I have a couple more. One is Monster Hunter Rise, a game that I did not get to talk about enough on this show. I kind of want to do a podcast just with Griffin McElroy, where the two of us just talk about Monster Hunter Rise for like four hours. Because I get the sense that he, on the besties, also has no one to really... I know that's not true. Russ Brushstick also played it. Um, Anyways, I really want people to talk to about this game, and I do talk to some friends about it. Russ and I talk about it a lot. But it's the kind of game that... It's only good if you're really into it and if you're into, like, you know, the minutia of the different weapon types and the builds and stuff. But I think it's awesome. I've played probably more of this game than almost anything else this year. And I just think it's incredibly good. It's cool that it's coming to PC and people can play it. It's uh, the most fun I've ever had, just the gameplay, like the zip bug or whatever it's called, the wire bug system lets you, like, fly around. It's so cool. There's DLC coming for it, which I'm really excited about. So, yeah, Monster Hunter Rise. Loved it. Every Monster Hunter game comes out, and I'm like, maybe this will be the one that gets me into Monster Hunter. It never is. You this, gotta, this it's a commitment. Is, but series it's, is impenetrable for me. Yeah, I can see that. It, um, it was for me for a while until World. But it really, I mean... It's so good. It's so fun. I just, yeah, I love it. Um, so one more, um, really, I mean, I have three more. So Halo Infinite and Echoes of the Eye, Outer Wilds are both on my list. But since we're kind of keeping it to 10 and I know that you have each picked uh, one of those, then I'm leaving those. So the last one is Subnautica Below Zero, which is sort of a stand-in for like all the games from previous years that I played. Because really, when I put Subnautica Below Zero on here... My real pick would be Subnautica, the original one, which came out several years ago, and I played all the way through and, like, loved. That was probably my favorite, like, experience playing a game all year. I just, it's an incredible game. And Below Zero is really cool. It's not, you know, it's like an expand alone. It's a little too story heavy. Like, I don't like it as much as Subnautica, but that's not at all a complaint because Subnautica is so fantastic. But I do really like Below Zero as well. And then, you know, there are just there are so many games from this year that I played because I got a PS5, like Demon's Souls Remake. That's like one of my the most awesome games I played all year. But I couldn't put it on my list last year and I can't put it, I guess, on my list this year. But anyways, that and you know other thing um other games. Ghost of Tsushima is another one. So there's kind of all of these other games. But um since we're moving along, I'll just say <laughs> You're the of course you of course Kirk Hamill 
Hamilton finds a way to mention like twenty different games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. List. I gotta, I gotta do it just because it wouldn't be fair if I never mentioned Demon Souls remake or Subnautica, like the best game I played all year. Anyways, Subnautica Below Zero also awesome. But anyone who, man, anyone curious about Subnautica, go play that game. It's so, it's so good. All right, and that's me. All right, cool. Well, good list. Right, do you wanna, do you wanna just read your list? Just sum it up, like read them all. So it's Returnal, Hitman Three, Deathloop. Halo Infinite, Inscription, Wildermyth, Death Store, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Monster Hunter Rise, Subnautica Below Zero, and Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye. Mm. Okay, Maddie, you're up. Okay, so my first one is Metroid Dread, and that's the only ranking that matters. Everything else is unranked in this list, but Metroid Dread is number one because it was my favorite <laughs> video game of the year. And it was good. I can't believe that they made a good Metroid game. I just didn't think it would happen for me. I had lost all hope. I The franchise was in a really weird spot after Other M, and Metroid Prime 4 will maybe never happen. I don't know what's going on with that this game. kind of feel like maybe it'll never <laughs> happen. Samus Returns, <laughs> Samus Returns was a cool game for the 3DS that I think only six people played, and <laughs> one of them was me and one was Steven Totillo. I don't know. I Not that many people played it is what I I'm saying. It. So yeah, Okay, fair it. enough. One of them was Jason. <laughs> but I, I, I just had no hopes for Metroid, really. I never have hopes, and I, I can't believe how, how amazing it is and how they've... Be, they've like fused all these different characterizations of Samus Aran into a character who feels like both a person and also a total badass and that really owns and they had to do it all with body language and very very few lines of dialogue it's a pretty minimalist story and then also it just owns to collect stuff and run around underwater <laughs> and underground and like get little power-ups and then also memorize boss attack patterns and do shine spark puzzles <laughs> and i could play this game for the rest of my life and be happy probably i love it that that is what feels i feels real say good about this yeah, i want to really play it play. again i'm gonna just play through the whole thing again <laughs> it owns and you two both have it on your list so i guess we can stay friends uh so number two unless <laughs> unless the two of you have any further thoughts on metroid i will move on to number no, two i loved it which is Chicory, A Colorful Tale. So I mentioned this on the show recently because this was another one I circled back to and was really pleasantly surprised by. It's sort of a Zelda-like game in that there are these dungeons and there are boss fights at the end of each of them. And there's a little bit of story, but it's mostly about exploring the world and you're a cute, I mean, you're a cute character. You're not Link. You're a cute little dog. <laughs> you're hanging out with a bunch of anthropomorphic animals and you are a magical painter with a magical paintbrush. And this game is also a metaphor for the stresses of making art and figuring out what you want to do with your life. And it's not even a metaphor, it's literal. And I just thought the way that that was translated into a game mechanic was really cool. Like you have to come up with stuff to paint constantly, literally in the game. And also your character mm. that you're playing as is struggling to come up with stuff to paint constantly for other people who are asking you to do that for them. And that was just a really lovely marriage of gameplay design and theme that I thought worked super well. And yeah, Chicory, a colorful tale. I really want to play through the rest of this and I want to, I might get it on switch because it has touch controls yeah. on switch apparently, which seems fun. 
It does. I kind of wish I had just waited for the Switch version, but I'm also glad I didn't because then it wouldn't yeah. have been on my list. Yeah. Uh, so my next three are some that Kirk mentioned, Psychonauts 2, uh, which I loved. I also in particular liked that I didn't have to play the first one in order to get totally on board with it and enjoy it. Uh, Wildermyth, really liked it, played it so much that I started seeing dialogue repeat too many times. I don't mm. recommend doing that. I feel like you got to stop right when you hit that magic point that you aren't <laughs> seeing any more dialogue repeat. But I see that as a huge compliment for what that game is trying to do. And it's really exciting to me. Um, and the next one is Halo Infinite, which Kurt gave an honorable mention to. I just, I don't know, the story of Halo it didn't really <laughs> I didn't love it I, I I know a lot of people super loved it people were in the triple click discord were talking about that and I thought they had some interesting takes it didn't really vibe with me but I loved playing it so much I just enjoyed it in such a bag of potato chips yep. type of a way <laughs> that I was like I gotta put this on here this I had so much fun just joyful abandoned fun in Halo Infinite this year that I, I had to put it on uh, so next up is Unpacking, mm, which almost is made a my little list. indie game. Yeah, this is one that just also surprised me. Uh, it's all environmental storytelling and just Foley sound design that is very pleasant to listen to when you're picking things up and putting them down and deciding where you want to put things in your room. And that's super relaxing. But then also the story that it's telling about moving house, moving apartment, figuring out who you are growing up, which it does without text, is really poignant. And mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. And I just think this game was doing something really neat and also surprised me a lot. And that is clearly a qualification for the list in my view. Uh, the next one, which multiple of us picked, Jason, I'm not sure you did, but I know you did, Kirk, is Echoes of the Eye. Yeah, we all Outer did, Wilds. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I dug it. I mean... Yeah. I wouldn't put it at number one if I were going to make a ranking because I was so frustrated with the mechanics <laughs> so often while playing it. But then I cried at the end, which is what Outer Wilds always freaking does always to me. You. Like, yep. the, it's so annoying. Like, the first game, I was like so freaked out by certain sections and so overwhelmed by parts of it that I thought were hard. And X is the Eye, also very difficult, even more difficult, I would argue, mm -hmm. and especially the stealth aspects of it. Very hard. And then, but then the ending was so incredible that I was like, God damn it. And like <laughs> incredible right. in a way that's hard to describe. Like, I yeah. feel like people are like, but you were saying you were so frustrated with it. Like, why are you now telling me to play it? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Okay. I can't explain this to you. Either you, you play it and you get to the end and you understand what I'm talking about or you don't. And I would understand why you wouldn't, but that's that situation. It's really just like, <laughs> let me just. Imagine a banjo solo ringing out, <laughs> and okay, that's why. That's why I cry at the end of Outer Wilds. Yeah, yeah, it's Nailed the feeling it. of learning a very difficult banjo song, and then you play <laughs> it and you cry. Uh, so my next one also feels like a little bit of a cheat because, like Echoes of the Eye, it's also a piece of DLC. It's FF Seven Remake Integrate. Oh uh, man, I just put this on similar to Outer Wilds in the sense that I really liked the original game and also similar to Kirk putting uh, Subnautica Below Zero on his list. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to play FF7 Remake again this year and Intergrade kind of let me feel like yeah. I was doing that. And that was enough. <laughs> Maddie, did you ever think two years ago that, that no. a remake of Final <laughs> yeah, Fantasy right. VII would be? Because no. <laughs> you My, never played I, the original, right? I, I, I played the not. original and I didn't oh, like it. No, and I didn't, didn't like, like it. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I made fun of it a lot as being like annoying and I didn't like Cloud. But then FF7 Remake came out and it didn't like Cloud and made fun of him just as much as I do. <laughs> and I loved it. And I was like, God, okay, Square, you got me again. So yeah, Remake Integrate is really fun. Love Yuffie in that. Yeah, Delightful. Yuffie rules. I never would have guessed that I would like Yuffie as much as that DLC made me like Yuffie. But here I we know. Are. She's so pleasant and I'm so excited for she the next is. one. Yeah. Um, so uh, next on my list is this game, Overboard, which, Jason, I know you picked, too. This is kind of similar to Wildermyth for me and Inscription, which is my next one, spoilers, uh, because it's not... I, I didn't vibe with every aspect of it, but I really loved what it was doing so much that I wanted to include it because I'm just excited about the possibility of it. It was a really small scope game in terms of like how long it took to make and what it's achieving considering that it didn't take that long to make mm -hmm. i really like that as just a concept and its dialogue design is really cool it's like a murder mystery but you're the murderer and you have to figure out how to set things up such that you don't get caught for the murder that you commit at the very beginning of each gameplay loop and that puzzle I've never played a game with that specific puzzle before, so that's creative in my view. But then also just the way the dialogue mechanics work and time and figuring out what time you can have each conversation and where. I dug it. I thought it was interesting and cool. Little repetitive, but still cool. And then, so that's Overboard with an exclamation point. Very important. And my last one, my last one is Inscription, which I already said, uh, I'm not a card game person, but I really dug this. Also, apparently the characters in the game are based on the Rosewater archetypes for Magic the Gathering players, like oh. Spike and Timmy and whatever their names are. And I didn't get that because I literally know nothing about card game fandoms, but... A friend of mine told me that, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I thought I would share it in case the listeners that's don't cool. know what those archetypes are, and they want to Google mm. them and read about them and learn some more stuff about Inscription. And then my honorable mentions are Deathloop and also the Christine Love game, Get in the Car Loser, which she makes visual novels mostly. Get in the Car Loser is a RPG with a lot more mechanics, and it's like a bit fiddly and not everybody's favorite, but I think it's ambitious and cool, and I wish it had gotten a little more love this year and... It just has some cool ideas. So, yeah, that's it for me. Nice. Jason, good list. your turn. All right. Um, so, first of all, uh, before I even get started, I just want to give a shout out to Final Fantasy XIV, which I spent the past oh, week yeah. doing nothing but playing. Cause, uh, yeah, that's good. Are you playing was... Endwalker? So, my family was out of town. No. So, the reason Endwalker is not on my list is because I'm still up to, I just finished Stormblood. My family was out of town for Christmas weekend. They were, my my uh, wife and our kid went to Connecticut to the to my in-laws place and so I was just by myself for a few days and I literally spent it just like with one monitor <laughs> wow. like with one monitor Bachelor playing Final Fantasy 14 and then <laughs> like my laptop watching football um, wow. and it was amazing it was incredible this is wow but, yeah uh, this is really your just ideal ex existence right there just marathon Final Fantasy 14 and I think Endwalker would almost certainly be on this list if I had gotten that far I've heard good but things but I just finished Stormblood so I still am two expansions behind unfortunately God, that game is so, so, so long and monotonous in some ways, but also so incredible. The storytelling in that game is just tremendous. And the music, oh my God, Kirk, the music. Man. Anyway, but here's my list. Overboard, first of all, um, Maddie just mentioned it, Reverse Murder Mystery. Um, I love this game. This might be my favorite of the year. This list is in no particular order, but I really loved Overboard. Um, and yeah, everyone should just go play it. I don't even want to describe it. But yeah, just the way that it plays with time and it creates this giant interlocking puzzle 
puzzle for you to solve is just incredible. And there's so many different ways you can solve it. And I just love everything about that game. Um, next up, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, another of my favorites <laughs> of the year, which uh, you guys have not mentioned. Kirk, you've been texting me about this No, it's game. funny because it's been kind of the only game that I have the bandwidth to play over the last couple of weeks. And I've been playing it a lot. I'm almost done. Mm-hmm. And I've played like yeah. 45 hours or something. It is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. great. I, I haven't yeah. played enough of it that I feel like I could put it on because it's two games and they're just hours and hours mm-hmm. yeah. of content. It's but good, I feel like though, if man, I had beaten it. Yeah. I would have put it on. The story it's gets great. really good toward the end. It's, it gets incredible. Yeah. So this is the, the latest game in the Phoenix Wright series. was released in Japan a while back. Finally came out in America this year. Um, and they're actually, not only are they incredible stories and games and awesome in every way, they are also the two games which are combined, or in one package called The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. You, you buy them all, both at once. Um, they are um, perfect like series entry points because they're set 100 years before the Phoenix Wright series. So you don't need to know anything about the Phoenix Wright series. And while they're like the occasional Easter egg, there's no real story continuation or anything like that. Um, next up, Psychonauts 2. You guys talked about that. I think that's on all our lists. Great game. Next up, The Forgotten City, which yeah. uh, is a game about a city in ancient Rome um, where uh, you are stuck in a time loop and the way it works is that anytime one citizen of the city commits a crime, everybody turns into golden statues and dies and your job is to figure out who's committing the crime and stop it so that the time loop can break and and people stop dying. And it's incredible. It's based on a Skyrim mod so it all looks very Skyrim-y. The characters have that kind of Skyrim like pivot to look at you and you talk to them. And right, the camera it's just a phenomenal in. story game. It's just, it's all story, so it's a great great story. Well, mostly a little bit of action stuff, but mostly story game. And it's awesome. Do you did you guys play this? I have it installed. I just yeah. didn't get to okay. it. Yep, just didn't get to yeah, it. Yeah, I think it would be on your lists if you had played. it. I think so, so too. It's too many good um, games. Next yeah. is Metroid Dread. Many already captured what made that game wonderful, but I agree. Next up, Bravely Default 2, a game I really, really enjoy. Just a solid classic RPG. Um, does not require knowledge of the first game, despite being called Bravely Default 2. And is just really good. Really excellent. Nice. Um, really cool job system. Really cool uh, uh, music. Um, next up is another JRPG, Tales of Arise, which is uh, a Tales game. A game in the Tales series. Yeah, I was wondering if this would make your list. It did because Tales games are just always solid. I haven't played um, a ton of this game and I'm I'm planning on revisiting it. In fact, I was thinking about revisiting it this weekend, but then I just played Final Fantasy XIV for like hours and hours on end. Um, My legs were like cramping from just not leaving my desk. It was great. It was amazing. It was great. It was amazing. Well, I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done this since before I had a kid. So like two and a half years, I haven't had a real, like, no, I get it. I get it. The the last time I did this, I remember was Divinity Originals in two, when I just like did not leave my computer for like two days straight, just playing that game. It was amazing. Um, so Tales of Rise, really good game. Tales games, uh, I like to describe them as like fast food. You always know what you're going to get. And sometimes you're just in the mood. Sometimes you're just yeah. in the, got a craving for some, some good old Tales french fries. Um, next up, Deathloop, uh, also has been discussed, but really enjoyed that game. Wish I played it all without markers. Maybe one day I'll have a chance to revisit it. Um, but if, do not make the same mistake I did if you're out there considering playing this game. Play it without any waypoints. Trust Given me. Given that they usually make expansions, and actually in the case of Dishonored, the expansions tend to be even better than the base game. I'm hopeful about Deathloop, so hopefully we'll get mm-hmm. some sort of expansion for that. Yeah. 
it would be cool. Um, maybe uh, another person to kill, a ninth person you have to add to <laughs> yeah, your kill sure. list. I don't know. I don't know how they would do an expansion of that game, but we'll see. Um, next up, House in Fata Morgana, which is a game that came out a while ago, but came out on Switch this year, so I'm including it on my list. Counts. This is a visual novel game um, that has gone sadly underappreciated because it's just straight-up visual novel. There's no gameplay at all. You're just reading the entire time, um, which I guess is not super appealing to a lot of critics or gamers, but hey, this game is incredible, and it's like one of my favorite stories of the year in any medium. Um, highly, highly recommended. It's about this this mansion and the fates of the people who live in it. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff in there. Some amnesia, some... Uh, well, I don't know. I, I won't even say what's in it because I don't want to spoil it. I haven't... I bought it. I, I, I started it but then haven't had time to play it, but... It's hard... I, I, I will to. say, Kirk, it's hard to play that and Ace Attorney, like, in the same time No, yeah. Time I, space. It needs to be one or the other, definitely. You need a... Yeah, you need a little <laughs> bit of break between those yeah. two. Um, but it's really, really good, and I highly recommend it. And finally, Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye, which also frustrated me, like you, Maddie. Um, the, the kind of... The owl monsters really bothered me. I just saw they added a patch a couple weeks ago that yeah. supposedly changed a bunch of stuff. I don't know how much they changed that... Those sections, the horror sections. Well, they... Yeah. I think they... they buffed the shotguns so like <laughs> oh, <okay>. that's <laughs> finally am i that right that is good i mean yeah i was relying on the hand pistol so i'm glad that mm-hmm. the shotgun is actually effective no yeah it's yeah. much more helpful you can take them down in one shot if you get up close um hopefully they drop better gear because i really need a, a yeah new i think some of the um, loot drops are, are improved well i've well. been thinking about going to the microtransaction store and, and trading <laughs> oh, God, in my banjo <laughs> trading in my banjo for a helmet but you know what uh <laughs> but no, Echoes of the Eye is just phenomenal and it's just like like playing Outer Wilds um I mean playing Echoes of the Eye was like playing Outer Wilds yeah. in that it's just like unlike anything else that you will ever play and it's just this incredible narrative exploration experience and as people can probably gather from my list I'm into narrative and exploration games so that's just like is is the confluence of everything I love about mm-hmm. video games is in Outer Wilds. So um to reiterate Overboard, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Psychonauts 2, The Forgotten City, Metroid Dread, Bravely Default 2, Tales of Arise, Deathloop, Hausen Fata Morgana, and Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye. Great cool. lists. I gotta yeah. say, I think the three of us uh, like some pretty good video games. Yeah, good good selections all around. I agree. Nice. I agree. There were some good games this year. There were. All right. Well, let's take a little break, and we'll be back with one more thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. And the three of us host The Flophouse. It's a podcast where we watch a new bad movie and then we talk about it. Dan, you say it's hosted by the three of us. We've had a lot of great guest co-hosts like Gillian Flynn, Jamel Bowie, John Hodgman, Jessica Williams, Wyatt Cenac, Joe Bob Briggs, Josh Gondelman, Roman Mars. Yeah, and you said new movies. But what about the time we did Meatballs 2? Okay, okay, yeah. Sometimes we do older movies and sometimes we have guests, but mostly it's about us talking about like recent bad movies. And don't forget about the ones where I made you do a role-playing game where you played cartoon dogs. All right, yeah. Shouldn't a promo be a really simple explanation about what our show's about? So what's the show about, Dan? What's it about? (laughs) What's it about? It's about friendship, all right? It's about our friendship and how we love each other. The Flophouse. It's a podcast mostly about bad movies on Maximum Fun. 
Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fanti, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period we are back kirk why don't you tell me one more thing I will tell you one more thing. I will tell everybody one more thing. And I know that this is a one more thing that the two of you are also watching. This is a Showtime show called Yellow Jackets that I started watching a couple of weeks ago and really, really like. It's the best. It's, <laughs> we all like it. It's super good. Um, it's so good. So good. So, Kirk, you turned us both on to this. I and did. We yeah. all got obsessed. Yeah. So I guess I, that's why I get to make it my one more thing, even though I know all three of us have watched it. This is a show that I've seen buzz about because I know critics like it. it I get the sense if this show was on Netflix that it would just be dominating the like oh, yeah. conversation on social media and stuff because it's so provocative, it's so mysterious, it's so fun. Every episode is shocking and mm-hmm. um, and funny. It's got and that new weekly drop schedule that they're doing with TV now. It's true. It's, it's, like, it's an experimental you have new to wait distribution a whole model. week to watch a new episode. <laughs> it's, it's so lost. It, like everything about it feels like lost. Um, I would call this show Lost meets Lord of the Flies, which I think is probably a fairly common way of describing it. The story setup is that a group of teenage high school girls in the 1990s and 1996 from New Jersey were a school soccer team. They were very, very good. They won state, or as they call it, states, which must be what it's called in New Jersey. They won the state competition and or, or game, and they go to play in nationals. And they get on a plane to go to nationals, a private or chartered plane, chartered by the wealthy daughter of a wealthy family on their team. And the plane crashes, and they're marooned in the middle of nowhere, and they have to survive. And then that is intercut with the modern day where adult versions of some of these girls, at least the surviving ones, or we don't really know who survives because we don't know what happened, are played by a variety of really great actresses, including um, Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci, kind of a lot of classic um, Mm -hmm. 90s actresses, uh, and doing Mm -hmm. great work. I mean, the casting in the show is one of the miracles of it. It's just that every single casting decision is incredible. And it becomes clear in the very first episode, which this show has one of the greatest pilots I've ever seen in the first episode, that they didn't just have to survive for 19 months. Things went really, really bad. And they oh, yeah. turn like on one another. The first minute of the first episode yes. depicts cannibalism. Yes. Like they and they're start killing and eating with one cannibalism. Another. That's Correct. what they that's the cold open. That's not that's like right right there. Right. So you gotta be ready for some gore with this show. I feel like we should warn people there's a lot of blood it is. and cannibalism on it. It's here, a pretty so. gnarly show. It's a pretty scary show at times. Yes. It is a lot of horror mixed with, you know, uh yeah, like really gnarly survival stuff out in the out in the wild where people have been horribly injured and have to deal with it, and then also all of the social tensions and anxieties from their high school carry over in this new environment, which is actually somewhat reminiscent of Battle Royale, which we recently did a Beans cast on. It has that as well, where the minute you're, you know, not in school anymore and you're not in this safe environment, all of your relationships can suddenly become much more dangerous. And so the the mystery of the show, similar to Lost, is just sort of 
well, what happened? Who survived? There are these big questions, you know, who dies and, and how? Who was the person that we saw being eaten in the first episode? And they answer some of those, but more it's just sort of what is going on? And there's that kind of almost haunted possibly supernatural element. There's a lot of stuff that gets introduced that it's all very ambiguous. It's a really fun show to just watch and talk to people about. I've been talking with both of you about it. I haven't seen the latest one, but I'm excited to watch it. Uh, my sister and I have all these theories about, you know, who's, you know, what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that character, which I'm sure that both of you do too. Um, it's just a great show. It's honestly, I signed up to get a Showtime, like I, I didn't even do the monthly trial. I was like, I'll just pay ten bucks for a month of Showtime to like watch <laughs> all of this show, and I, it's worth it. It's a, it's a good show. So yeah, that's Yellow Jackets. It's on Showtime. Kirk, while you're at it, you can watch Billions, which Don't is also even on say, Showtime. Jason, you're gonna curse him. He's never gonna watch it now. Why did you say that? I was thinking it, and I didn't say it. I restrained myself. It is sitting Whatever. right there. So, anyways, Yellow Jackets on Showtime. It's a great show. It is great. Uh, Jason, what about you? So my show is almost the polar opposite of Yellow Jackets. It really is. Thing. It is, It's yeah. a show called Hawkeye, which just came out, the new Marvel show. Marvel shows are weird, man. It's like you watch them and they just don't feel like anything else on TV because they every single one so far has felt like just a long movie that's broken up mm-hmm. into X number of parts. And so you don't have your kind of typical like this TV show has a question or a problem that is resolved within the scope of that single episode. It's more like, okay, this is just a non one story that happens to be separated into parts that like might end with a cliffhanger or something to keep you watching. But like it, for the most part, absolutely nothing is resolved on a week on a, like an episode to episode mm-hmm. basis. That said, Hawkeye, I think, might be the best incarnation of that formula so far. Other than maybe WandaVision, which was, did things very differently, um, and I really enjoyed, Hawkeye was probably the best Marvel show that came out this year. And I think that's because um, it didn't get bogged down with any unnecessary plots. Um, the The actors are really, really great, um, especially the two... Uh, leading ladies, Florence Pugh and uh, what's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, um, yeah. The show doesn't take itself too seriously. It's very fun to watch. Um, unlike, uh, it's kind of very, very on the on the separate, like diametrically opposed to um, Captain yeah. Falcon, the Captain Falcon show. Captain Falcon series. Yeah, Captain it. Falcon. Um, That's what it's called. Which was Go just on. like dreary and dull and took itself too seriously and such. Hawkeye just feels very fun. Um, made me actually enjoy watching Jeremy Renner, which hadn't happened before. Before and maybe sympathetic <laughs> to him um, has all these good elements like like a relationship between Hawkeye and his wife that is just like really healthy and it's rare to see like a really healthy like communicative marriage on screen so that's cool to see um, and just like it has a lot of good stuff it's just got a lot going for it um, and I really enjoyed watching it really enjoyed just like binging through the six episodes and just felt like a very fun Marvel movie like one of the 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 top tier Marvel movies, I would say. Yeah, I really liked it too. I I watched the finale and the finale was kind of overstuffed. Like there there was one too many climactic fights going on. The whole Echo origin story was maybe a little much, but... Well, it had to be. I mean, it had to set up. That's the other part of these Marvel Marvel things is they're all setting up constantly. I mean, I understand why they did that. And they all end with a video game fight scene that I'm like, why? I don't... It's always Mm. my least favorite part. You know, though... This one was kind of Home Alone. Right, as Final 
Shodan's go, I thought this one was pretty fun with all the arrows that they built and the like blowing up the one that blew up uh the Yeah, giant. the pin particle arrow. <laughs> yeah, look, okay, I love all the effects. I just felt like having a big fight scene where a whole bunch of people die, like hundreds of people die by the hands of these Did arrows really die? undercuts the overall theme of the show, which is about how all the people you kill have families and might come back and be really upset with you. I thought they all got knocked out. I didn't think stuff. they all died. I kind of saw a lot of people getting arrows in the well, arm. Some of them died. Like those arrows that explode into tiny little splintering metal arrows, those were killing people, like for sure. Were they? There's I thought they no were like they knockout were darts that. or something. Okay, so everybody was knocked out. All the hundreds of goons at the end just were asleep and it's fine. Haley Steinfeld didn't kill anyone. She's still a precious angel and we don't need to worry about her psyche after this show. She's the best, man. She's, She's great. So good. Uh, the standout for me, other than her, was, uh, and other than Jack Ducat, who plays this incredible character on Better Call Saul, also, um, same actor, that was his, like, breakout role, Better Call Saul, and he's just astounding. But, uh, real, the highlight for me was the tracksuit mafia, who are ridiculous and so yeah. much fun to watch. An yeah. invention, I believe, an invention of, of Matt Fraction from that comic series. Bing! Hello, everybody. Kirk here from the future. And I credited Matt Fraction there just because Fraction wrote that Hawkeye run that had the tracksuit mafia in it. He wrote those bro lines of dialogue and is responsible for that. But I do want to just take the opportunity here to mention David Aha as well, who's the artist who worked with Fraction on that incredible Hawkeye run. If you've read it, you know how awesome Aha is and how great his art is. And if you haven't read it and you did watch the Hawkeye show, you still encountered his art, but he kind of notoriously now wasn't really credited. Fraction was a producer on the Disney Plus series, but David Aha wasn't really credited, even though his art style is all over that miniseries. I mean, when I was watching it, I was like just laughing with delight during the credit sequence because it looks just like his comics. And for that matter, shout out to Matt Hollingsworth also, who was the colorist on that run of comics. And the colors, the very stark coloring on that comic series is also a really distinctive part of it. So just another mark of how the comics industry works and how crediting, they have this serious crediting problem. So anyways, I just wanted to shout out David Aha here because if you don't know who he is, you should know who he is. He's an incredible artist and he did great work with Fraction and Hollingsworth on that Hawkeye run. Okay, back to the show. Bing! Um, good stuff. I, I really enjoyed the show. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to more of Kate Bishop and also to more of the big villain who's introduced at the end and uh, looking forward to revisiting that world, yeah. um, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about more down the road. Mm-hmm. It was really cool to see Boba Fett in a Marvel show. Anyway, yeah, yeah man. sorry for whatever we didn't see coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I get to go last, and my pick is uh, Dark Souls, which is oh. a cool video game I've been playing. Um, I've heard, I've heard it's good. So way back in July, I got to a place called Blight Town in the video game Dark Souls, and I talked about it on this very show, and it sucks really bad there. And I've actually been going back and playing this game like every month or so. And I would go back and I'd be like, wow, Blighttown sucks. Like it really <laughs> sucks here. And all the memes that people say, all the jokes people say about how bad it is are true. There's so many kinds of enemies. The guys who shoot the toxic blow darts at you, if you can manage to get to them the and you kill They're them, the they don't come back. That's very kind oh, that Dark Souls that. actually does that for you. Only with those guys, everyone else comes back. Still. But good luck getting to those guys because it's a huge maze and there's a thousand ladders and you can fall at any time to your death and do everything again and it's the worst. And then time passed, I spent so much time there. And this past week, 
I finally got to the next section hey, of the game. Nice. I finally got to Keylog? Kellogg? I got to Kellogg. I got mm-hmm. to Kellogg's. Kellogg's I'm going to finally destroy Kellogg's the Kellogg's and force spider. them to negotiate <laughs> with their union. Uh, I'm doing that <laughs> in Dark Souls. Uh, but for real, it was so exciting to me to finally get out of Blight Town. And I know people have been wondering, Congrats. is Maddie still playing Dark Souls? She hasn't mentioned it in a while. Maybe she's still in Blight Town. Well, I was. I was. I didn't want to talk about it. But now that I'm out of Blight Town, I feel like I, I can admit that I've been in Blight Town this whole time, and I'm now not in Blight Town anymore, and I'm relieved. Can I just ask you one question? And that is, I know you became cursed at the same point that I did, where you fell into yes. the curse hole. How do you become? What's the way to become uncursed? I could Google it, but it seems more fun to just ask you. Well, okay, so you can become uncursed by going to meet a really cool skeleton lady who you hopefully didn't kill, and okay. you can buy an item from her. And she, you can always go back and buy this item from her. I think it's like ten thousand souls or something. Is she in like Undead Burg? Yeah, she's she's okay. in that area where there's like a really long trench that's full of water that you like kind of clamp your way through and Mm. she's like behind a door anyway people who play the game and have met her know who i'm talking about the cool skeleton lady i can't remember the item she sells you but there's an item you can buy from her that will remove a curse and or you can just put up with the fact that you're cursed that basically just knocks down some of your health yeah but the problem with blight town is not (laughs) just getting cursed but getting like toxic yeah it's and toxic then, in blighttown curse is a little before that that's those frogs. yeah which is worse because you can't undo it you cannot undo Until toxicity by a system of a down you cannot undo it <laughs> um you can only listen to britney spears and or system of a down while crying and dying in dark souls and then just going mm. back to where you were Though the, di- the difference right is that curse carries over from death to death and toxic goes away after you die that's yes it does curse knocks off a chunk of your health bar every single time you can't fully fill up your health until you free yourself of the curse whereas being toxic means your health is constantly 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 ticking down at all times until you die and you can drink potions to or drink ss flask to to bring your health back up but it will continue to tick down until you die so basically you're a ticking time bomb until your death and you can only do so much um and maybe you just so happen to find a fire or a really cool item during that period of time but you are absolutely going to die Mm -hmm. and there's it's it's just the fucking worst. I don't know. It's a terrible <laughs> it's a terrible area. I was tweeting about it. There was one person who very politely explained to me that it was actually really great level design. And I'm sorry to that person, but I don't agree. And I think it's I I don't I'm still mad at it and I'm not done being mad at it yet. That's my take on Flight Town and Jerks. Valid. And yeah, that's me. Nice. That was my one more thing. All right. So. We did it again, folks. That was our one more year. One more year of Triple Click. <laughs> yeah, that's 2021. The final the one more things. Oh, wait. We're yeah. going to do some more. On we are. Bonus we are. Yeah, we got a bonus episode coming up. But otherwise, we'll be back next week for predictions. <gasps> yep. <gasps> so next week. Next week, we get to revisit our 2021 predictions, figure out what game we're going to play in 2022, and make some new predictions. For Very exciting. Very exciting. It's going to be a fun one terrifying exciting we'll see both of you next year see you next year bye triple click is produced by jason schreier maddie myers and me kirk hamilton i edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by tom dj some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration you can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes 
Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.